join me in Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. The title of the message this morning is How to Endure 2024. Now, it's hard to believe. I don't know about you. Every year it comes this, except for 2020. 2020 felt like the longest year ever. But every year it's like, here we are again talking about a new year. Uh, I'm sure if we went around the room and asked thoughts about 23, we'd get mixed emotions. Uh, and the beauty of this time of year, though, is there comes a natural reset opportunity for us. We, we get to flip the script and, and we have, get the opportunity to, to put the past behind us and start a new year fresh uh, with the slate clean, in a sense. Uh, how many of you uh, have or will be doing New Year's resolutions, maybe a word you're focusing on? Who's doing that this year? Raise your hand. Go ahead. It's okay. You can raise your hand. we got three people who have a vision for next year. Great. All right. <laughs> Uh, this year, uh, my family and I, we sat, or this past week, we sat down for dinner one night. We just kind of talked through some of those things. And, and here, here's the reality. We can all do our best to plan for things that we'd like to accomplish next year. We have it in our power to write these things down, hang them somewhere so we can see them every day and pray over them. There really isn't anything that can prevent us from dreaming up whatever we want to dream up. It's all up to us, right? But here's the big reality check for us all. Nobody knows what is coming in 2024, and nobody can prevent some of the things that will take place this coming year. Perhaps some of you this morning are entering into what could be the worst year of your life, circumstantially. Uh, you might face things that you never thought you could bear. For some of us, maybe we are heading into the greatest year of our life, and certainly the rest of us fall somewhere in between all those things. Well, the danger in making New Year's resolutions or things like that, and I'm all for them, I'm all for setting goals and asking the Lord to do certain things, but the danger is, is we can make them an idol, and we can look forward to next year and decide, you know what, only if these things take place Will I call this a good year? Otherwise, we get to the end of the next year and we're depressed and in despair because we didn't do everything. So we, we've got to guard our hearts in that. Otherwise, we can lead our hearts into idolatry. And this is why, brothers and sisters, we must hold these things loosely and entrust our souls to our faithful creator. And listen, we, we must be ready to navigate whatever will come our way in 2024. And this morning we're going to look at just the first few verses of Hebrews chapter 12. And, and what we're going to see are four ways to help us run the race of endurance. And so let's look at Hebrews 12. Let me read that for us now together. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses... Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your grace and your mercies this morning, mercies that are new every morning. Great is 
your faithfulness to us. God, I thank you for your word this morning. I thank you for singing. I thank you for the chance to encourage one another, Lord. Even coming up here, I'm so encouraged just because of the singing of our people and the the scriptures that we sang. All glory be to Christ. You, You deserve all glory. You deserve all praise. And so, Lord, turn our attention to you and our gaze to you. And I pray, Lord, as we head into a new year, God, we don't know what awaits us, but yet we know that you go before us. And Lord, we know that you are holding us tightly, that you who began a good work will bring it to completion. And we we know, Father, that you work everything for the good of those who love you. And so God, open our eyes and our hearts today to prepare us to endure well, to run the race of endurance well. And God, we're going to need your help. And I thank you for your grace and mercy. I thank you that you are a very present help in time of need. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, as you read throughout the New Testament, uh, it's very common to see different metaphors. Of course, Jesus used parables all the time to explain certain things. And a major metaphor all throughout Scripture, and one that we see in Hebrews 12, is that of comparing the Christian life to a run. And here Hebrews calls us to run the race. The Christian life is a race we are to run. And God cares about how we run it. And and one of the things that the author emphasizes here is that we are called to run the race with endurance. Uh, Your Bible may have a different word for endurance. It may say patience. It may say perseverance. But here's the gist of what the author of Hebrews is getting at. Run in such a way that you finish. Don't give up. Don't go to the sidelines. Don't quit. Keep moving. Keep going. Get in the race and run it well all the way to the end. Now, personally, I'm not a runner. I did run at the turkey stampede at Thanksgiving, but I am far from a runner. Even so, even if you are not a runner like me, it's clear of what a runner needs to do to be prepared for a race, right? First of all, like there, a person needs to have proper training. Can you just wake up tomorrow and decide, you know what, tomorrow I'm going to run a marathon. Tomorrow. How's that going to go for you? You're, you're going to you're gonna have some hard times. <laughs> you can't just like decide to wake up one morning and then you're going to run 26.2 miles. That, like, it doesn't work that way. You've got to have proper training. And so you can go on the internet and you can easily look up how to prepare for a marathon in six months. And it can lay out good details of how to get yourself to a place where you are ready to compete and run a marathon. And, and, and it's also different than when you run a, a sprint, like, if you start off a marathon by sprinting, you are going to fail miserably at that as well. Like, you, you've got to have the proper training to know how to run a marathon. So you think of the Christian life, is Christian life a sprint or a marathon? It's a marathon. It, we're in it for the long haul. Along with proper training, you've got to have proper conditioning. That's part of it, right? Like, if you're 50 pounds overweight and you want to run a marathon, like... Like for me, the, my status of where I'm at right now, I, I cannot. I am not prepared to run a marathon anytime soon. And so, if I were to do that, I would need to get myself in shape. I need to condition my body. I'd need to watch what I eat. 
Like if, you know, you know, the diet of Christmas and New Year's is probably not the best diet for running a race, right? So we're like, we got to reset next tomorrow. We're resetting. We're getting ready if that's, if that's the case for you. Like you have to have proper training. You've got, when you're running a race, you especially need to be uh, ready, aware of what you're eating when it's race day, right? Or the, the night before and you're making sure you're getting the appropriate amount of carbs and getting your body ready to have the energy it needs to run for that long of time. It's critical that you consume the right amount of water. Have you ever cramped up running or playing a sport? I mean, it's brutal. Like, I've watched football games where it's really hot, and the players, by the third, fourth quarter, like every other play, somebody's stopping because they're cramping up. You've got to make sure you have the right amount of water. So whether or not we are runners, all of us can make sense of what it takes to endure a race. And like you must prepare for running a race, we also must prepare to run the race of the Christian life. And so let's talk about four ways that the writer of Hebrews talks about in order to endure the race of 2024. Here's the first one. Consider the encouragement around you. Consider the encouragement around you. Look at verse 1 again of verse 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Here's what the author is referring to. He's talking about believers who have lived the Christian life. They've walked faithfully. They've endured to the end. And many people that you read about in history, too, have endured far worse than any of us could ever imagine. And he's saying, look to them. Like, turn your gaze to them. You want to endure for whatever comes your way. Consider the things that some other believers who have walked before you have endured. And how they stayed faithful to God, or rather, God stayed faithful to them and carried them through. As we look forward to a new year filled with challenges, we do not know yet what that will be. And I find it incredibly valuable, as the writer of Hebrews does, for us to look at those who have run the race well before us. And I have found my faith has been spurred on greatly by biographies of believers who had incredible endurance through rough circumstances. I want to recommend a series to you by John Piper. The series itself is called The Swans Are Not Silent. Uh, but there's a book where he puts all of these biographies into one on Amazon. So if you're an Amazon person and you're a reader, even if you're not a reader, like, you should get this. It's called 27 Servants of Sovereign Joy. And he, he lists out 27 believers who endured different circumstances and remained faithful to the end. Let me just share a couple with these uh, with you that, Lord willing, God would use to spur you on in whatever comes your way this year. You've heard the name, if you've been at church long enough, William Tyndale. Uh, William Tyndale, his passion was that even the plowboy, who would have not had much of an education, could know the Bible by having the Bible in his own language, to have it in English. And so William Tyndale gave his life in order to translate the Bible into English. And his life ended when he was strangled to death and burned at the stake for translating the Bible into English. This book that we hold here and the language that we read did not come freely. It came at a cost. 
William Tyndale knew that. This wasn't a surprise. He didn't just start doing this, and then suddenly he found himself on the stake. He, his life was threatened, and he spent a lot of his life running, and yet it didn't keep him from doing what God had called him to do. It didn't keep him from remaining faithful, and he lost his life over it. Listen, that is a testimony for us that none of us have been fleeing for our lives this year because of following after Jesus, but even if this year leads us to that, we can look at people like William Tyndale and see God's faithfulness to hold on to him. Consider Adoniram Judson, who had an amazing ministry in Burma. Let me first just, uh, just kind of talk about the, his legacy that he left. Of course, it was all through Christ, right? All glory be to Christ. The largest Christian force there is the Burma Baptist Convention, which is tied back to his name. Just listen to the number of people who have been affected by his ministry. 3,700 congregations. 600,000 members, 1.9 million affiliates. But for Adoniram Judson, it did not come freely. It did not come easy. His life was not paved on a flat road in the valley. In fact, he was married multiple times because multiple times his wife passed away from sickness. He lost multiple wives. He lost kids due to sickness, and yet it did not keep him from his passion to translate the Bible into the common language of the people of Burma. He remained faithful to the end. He never gave up. How many of you have lost multiple spouses? How many of you have lost multiple children? And yet here's Adoniram being a testimony. He is a witness who has gone before us. And we've seen God's faithfulness to carry even him. Even when you think for him, it couldn't get any worse, it did. When I consider these men and then look at my own ailments, suddenly, they don't seem so bad. By God's grace, I can endure what we, what I am facing. Let me just explain our last few weeks to you. This is not meant to be pity. I'll just say right up front, we're good, all right? We're at a good place. Um, we're fine, but just listen to some of the things that we've had to endure the last few weeks. Our son started experiencing intense pain in his hip only to find out he had a serious staph infection where he ended up spending seven days in the hospital. Uh, shortly after that, this is a minor, but got a bad cough, which I've been dealing with ever since. This is service number seven of struggling through, trying to make it through. On top of that, this past week, our furnace went out only to discover that the part that we need is on back order until February. We had a car die on us, and to top it off, our washing machine broke down. Now, that's a lot to happen at one point, but, but here's the thing. As I'm, as I'm preparing for the message, I'm seeing what the author of Hebrews says here is, be, like, consider the cloud of witnesses around you. All of a sudden, I'm like, you know what? Things could be a lot worse. I didn't bury my spouse this week. I didn't bury a child this week. And that even if God would allow that to come into my life in 2024, I know that he's faithful because he's always been faithful. Look to those who have gone before us and see God's faithfulness. Because here's the temptation, believer. Satan's going to want to come into your life with the hard things that you're facing and saying, you're all alone. Everything that you're facing, no one else is, is dealing with. 
Like, how could God be faithful when he's allowing you to suffer this way? These are the temptations that come our way when we struggle. But listen, people have endured far worse than any of you. I guarantee none of you have gone through what I'm about to read here. Hebrews 11, 35, starting in verse 5. Let me read this for us. It says this. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered, suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. Anybody been in prison this, this year? Unjustly so, that is. <laughs> they were stoned. Anybody stoned this year? They were sawn into. Any, any, anybody like that this morning? They were killed with the sword. They, they went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy. Whew. Wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. Anybody wandering throughout the world because of your faith in Christ? And yet, God is faithful. You're not alone. We read this in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. Right there it's saying, guess what? You're not going to face anything that somebody else isn't already dealing with. You, there, there are no such thing as unique struggles. It's always common to man. And here's the good news. God is faithful. And he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. Do you, are you ever tempted in such a way where the only choice that you have is to give in to temptation? Never. God is faithful 100% of the time. The problem is sometimes we don't turn to him, right? Look, it says, with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Listen, whatever 2024 brings your way this year, God is faithful to carry you through, and he will hold to you. He will cling to you if you have truly repented of your sin and placed your faith in Christ. Consider the saints of old. You are not alone, believer. Don't listen to the lies. Don't lose hope. People have endured far worse than you, and yet God held on to them. Here's an encouragement for you. Let past testimonies spur you on to future endurance. Consider the encouragement around you. Here's number two. Do away with the sin that hinders you. Do away with the sin that hinders you. Verse 1, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Here's what the author is saying. is like, put it away, do away. Are there things that are keeping you from doing what God has called you to do? Keeping you from being faithful. You need to get away from these things. Now, think, think of a runner on a race day. Now, I would imagine, I have to imagine because I'm not a runner, but I would imagine you don't want to wear clothes that would be super heavy on you. So on Thanksgiving Day, I made the mistake. You know, all I'm thinking about is it's cold outside, and I don't like running, and so I don't want it to be cold. But I made the mistake of wearing sweatpants, and they were kind of heavy, like two minutes into the race. So it was like 30 minutes, I think, total I was, I was running, something like that. Within two minutes, I'm sweaty, and you know, like when you, you ever have sweatpants on when you're sweaty and it just clings to your legs? It was awful. And so the whole race, I'm thinking about how uncomfortable I am, how I can't wait to get home and, and get and change. Like, that's what I'm thinking about. Uh, it hindered me. I, I was not prepared. It hindered me. Like, 
The same is true for like when we're running a race, like when we're running the Christian life, what are, what are things that are hindering us, weighing us down? Like a, a runner on race day, like now for training, they might tie some weights on their ankles to help build up strength and longevity. But on race day, they're not going to be doing that. And yet as Christians, how often are we putting the sinful weight on, our, on ourselves? We're, we're allowing sinful habits to reign and rule and distract us from running the race that Christ has called us to run. Here's one thing that I'm convinced of, though. Like, for the majority of us, our struggle is not, like, in major breakdowns. You know, where, like, your life could go into the pit in one moment. Like, most of us, our struggle is not being destroyed in a moment. Most of us struggle with being distracted. I, I love what Daniel Henderson said. He said, the devil doesn't have to destroy us. He only has to distract us. See, most of us aren't going to jump into some crazy big sin, but we can find ourselves drifting away from the Lord, being distracted. I, I think of this thing right here. Now, if you're 40 years old or older, you know the transition. I remember dating Nikki and we didn't, I didn't have a cell phone at that point, but we had a cord, uh, a, a phone that was on the wall with a cord. I know some of you are like, what is that? And it was like 80 feet long. And so to get privacy, I had to pull it from the wall all the way across the, the kitchen into the hallway, going to the basement to get some privacy. Like, but now we have it at our fingertips. And this, this, this can be such a great tool. I'm not like, I'm not like downing it, but it can also be a major distraction. Have you ever been like focused on like, okay, I'm not going to look at my phone more. And then all of a sudden you're like, well, how'd that get there? Like, I'll put it away. And then all, all of a sudden it's like, it's there again. Like, we are so distracted by these things, whether it be games, whether it be just looking up whatever information we want to, all the different streaming services that we have. Listen, we, we may not be giving in to major sins on our phone, but like over time we get distracted, we get taken away, we get overwhelmed by just like, you know, you ever, you ever found yourself on Instagram or Facebook and you're just kind of going from real to real and five minutes becomes 15, becomes 30, becomes an hour and all of a sudden it's midnight and you need to get to bed? Like, we are so distracted and this is what will hinder us and what the writer of Hebrews is saying, do away with it. And we need to be careful in the midst of this that we aren't justifying our distractions. I know with my phone, one thing I can say is like, well, what if I miss an important text? What if, what if there's a phone call that I need to answer to? Like, well, you can easily lay it aside for a period of time and then revisit it later if you need to. We are good at justifying our sins that hinder us. But Jesus has some very serious things to say about this. Jesus is very hardcore when it comes to, like, you got struggles, you have things that are pulling you away, then you need to go to drastic measures to make sure these things don't hinder you. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. Now, Jesus was no doubt looked at as an extremist, I would say. And, and these words would fit right in line with that. And these are, these are kind of frightening, like sobering words that Jesus has to say in Matthew 5, starting in verse 29. Now, the context of here is he's speaking about lusts, and he's speaking about how do, we, how do we fight that? Verse 29 says this, if your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out 
and throw it away, for it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away, for it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. Now, is Jesus saying that we should maim ourselves? Is that what he's saying? Like, hey, if that was the case, let's just be honest. We'd have a lot of people missing their right hands and, and their right eyes. We'd be, a lot of people would be maimed. This is not Jesus' point. Rather, his focus is like, look, do whatever you need to do. And, and lust is a major issue in our culture, wouldn't you say? Major struggles. Many women here are dealing with the consequences of the, of the lust of a man who did something very inappropriate. Lust is not something that we mess with. And Jesus is saying, do whatever you need to do. Go extreme. Get rid of your phone. I gotta have a phone. Then find a different option where you can communicate with people, but you're not allowing this thing to continually flood your soul. Do whatever you need to do. Cast it away as the witnesses of old cast sin and laid it aside. Lay it aside. It clings so closely. It's like we have this lion that we think is, makes a good pet. And we try to justify it and we feed this lion and really it's just ready to devour. You know, I, I always find it fascinating, these, these people who have these massive pets, you know, like my pet, you know, bear and lions and these things. And then they're like surprised by when they attack, when animals, you ever watch that show when animals attack? And you're like, you shouldn't be surprised at this. They're made to kill. Like this is what they're made to do. This is what we do with our sin. We treat it like a little kitty cat and that kitty cat turns into a lion and then it devours us. We need to do whatever we can to cast it aside. So brothers and sisters, are there any habits or hobbies that are hindering you? TV shows, streaming services, entertainment choices, food choices. What things are weighing you down that you find yourself justifying? What are you not doing that is tripping you up? What relationships are hindering your ability to endure the race set before you? Let me just give you a few barriers that I think uh, hinder our race. Number one, money. We, can, we are a money-obsessed culture. And we think, we're tempted at times to think money is our security. Money will buy me happiness. If only I had a little bit more money, I would do that. Like Christmas, we might find ourselves thinking, man, Christmas was good, but it could have been better if we would have had more money. We could, have, we could have gotten this. Or we could be so wealthy that, you know, I, I, I don't know if it was Rockefeller. It was one of the really rich men was asked, like, how much money is enough? And he said, a little bit more. See, we can become obsessed with money because we have a lot. We can also become obsessed with money because we're looking at others the way they're spending money and we're judging them because we don't have as much as them and we think they sh if I had their money, I wouldn't be spending the money on the things that they're spending on. These are all things that hinder us. And the scriptures say that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Another thing that hinders our, our run, our race, power. We want control. We, we want to do everything that we can uh, to make sure it fits nicely in a box. Some of us are like, fly by the seat of the pants. But then there are others of you who are like, you've already got 36 books ready to read for the year. You've got three books a month that you've already listed out, and you are ready to go. Like, you've laid these things out in great detail. Listen, these are great things, but 
when things, when we're major planners and then things get in the way, how does your heart respond to that? We want power. We want control. And the reality is there's only one who has control, right? And he doesn't share power, does he? The Lord is sovereign over all. Here's another thing, and this really sums up everything that we'll talk about, but pride. The scriptures tell us that pride comes before what? Fall, comes before destruction. When we have to have our way and we want the world to revolve around us, man, does that get me in trouble. And really all sin is wrapped in pride, right? We've talked about this already, this next one, but, but sex. So many in ministry have lost it all because of sexual sin that started with looking at an image on a screen. It's such a dangerous trap to fall into. But also, just sex before marriage. Sex outside of your marriage. Relationships are another possible hindrance where maybe if you're single and you're desiring to find someone and you're, all your heart and your, your joy comes from whether or not you are dating someone and you're, all your hopes are put into that rather than in Christ alone. Or perhaps you're in a marriage that you don't want to be in and you long and think, man, life would be so much better if I wasn't married to this person. Or, man, if I just had kids, God, if God would just give me kids, it would be better. Or if I didn't have kids. And we could find ourselves in all these different things that hinder us. Last thing I'll mention, and there are probably plenty more, plateauing. We think we've done enough, and so we just start relying on our flesh. Like, as a pastor, I can have moments where I've, I can be tempted to think, you know what, I can, I can coast through this all right. I've made it through other times where I wasn't as prepared as I should have been, and so, yeah, I can do that. This is when our strengths become our weaknesses, and we start relying on our natural abilities, and we no longer rely on the Lord. I see so many people live their lives based on what they know they can do, and they never ask the question, God, what do you want me to do? And so they never step out of their comfort zone, and everything then is done in the flesh because you can do it all. Perhaps you have something different to add to your list, but in order to endure whatever comes our way in 2024, it's critical that we do away with the sin that hinders us. Look again at verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses... Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Here's the third way. Prepare for a challenging race. Prepare for a challenging race. I mean, the very call here to let us run with endurance is the understanding that, listen, you're going to need something extra in you. You're going to need to push through this. This isn't going to be easy, right? We don't, the average person doesn't need endurance to walk through their house. The average person doesn't need endurance to walk through a store. Those are easy tasks. That's not the case for the Christian life. This is, this is not an easy road. Like, we need endurance. This is why the author is saying to endure, because we need to push through it. 
The Christian life is not paved on level ground. In fact, Jesus promised us that we would have trouble. And I believe much of the difficulties in living the Christian life comes from improper expectations. We think that somehow God coming into our lives is going to make life easy. He's gonna, he's gonna, everything's going to fall into place. Now, is, to a certain level, is that true? Like, his mercies are new, like he's with us, but circumstantially, it still rains on the righteous and the unrighteous. It rains on the just and the unjust. Like, hard things happen. This is the life ordained by God. Look, run the race with endurance that is set before you. This is what God has set before us. Suffering. Endurance. We're going to have times, brothers and sisters, where we're going to want to pack it in and call it quits. We need to press through. We're going to get into this in a few weeks, but First Peter talks about this. Let's just look there real quick. So turn back towards the end of the Bible just a little bit to First Peter chapter 4. And Peter is like, Wanting us to, don't be, don't be shocked. Some, sometimes as believers we get so surprised that life is hard. And when I look at like the, our past few weeks, I'm like, of course, this is the way it is. The Lord's doing a work in my heart to teach me to trust in him. First Peter 4 verse 12 says this, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fire trial when it comes upon you to test you. As though something strange were happening to you. He's like, like look, don't, don't. Don't, don't look at this as something strange. Don't be surprised. Don't be flabbergasted that these, tri- these fiery trials are coming. Rather, instead of being surprised, rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. I don't know about you, but when I know to expect challenging situations, it helps me to endure. So when they come my way, I'm not like, how could this happen? Many people will be going back to the gym this week. Uh, Let me ask you, if you've ever worked out, what happens if you've had a long season of not working out, and you go to the gym and work hard for a day? What happens the next day? You're sore. You wake up and you want to die, right? You're like, why did I do this? But you know, I know that's coming I, for me. If, I, if I've been away from the gym and I'm hitting the gym hard again, I know that I've got to endure the first few weeks because it takes time to get your body back into that, that habit of lifting and, and working your body and exercising. It takes time to get there. And so uh, what, what's happened in the past is I've done that. And I didn't expect the soreness, and then I just give it up for a while because I don't want to deal with that. And I've had to realize, no, Ben, you got to push through. You've got to endure it. Yes, this is what you should expect. Don't be surprised when this comes your way. People warned me when, they, when we planted this church that there would be difficult situations I would face and that there would be times where I'd want to give up. And so when those times come, I wasn't surprised. And I had other people who went before me who were able to encourage me and say, you know, able to kind of laugh at my struggles, which was actually very freeing to me to know I'm not alone. This is what it is. I sh- this is what we are to expect. Listen, I can guarantee every, every one of you, you're going to have rainy seasons in 2024. 
You're going to have storms that are going to come your way. Don't be surprised. This is the race that is set before you. Be prepared. Prepare for a challenging race. Let's finish with this. Look at verse 2. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Here's the last saying. Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. Who else endured more than Jesus endured on the cross for us? Just consider this for a moment. Where was Jesus before he came? In heaven. Where would you rather be right now? <laughs> Jesus left glory. He laid it aside. The scriptures say he didn't consider equality with God a thing to be grasped, even though he was God. He humbled himself. Here's what I love about Jesus. Like, did he come and was he born in a castle? Is, was he born in rich circumstances? I mean, we sing about a way in a what at Christmas time? A manger. He, he was laid in a trough as a baby. There was no place for him to lay his head. The scriptures say that like, he was homeless. Like he had no place to go. He had no place to live. He, Jesus came humble. He doesn't, he doesn't ask us to do things that he is not willing to do. He doesn't ask us to do things that he hasn't already done. And so he bore the wrath of his father. I mean, think about it. In heaven, they had a perfect relationship, even up to the cross. No despising whatsoever. Perfect union with the Father. And then Jesus had the sins of the whole world, of every, the sins of every person who ever believed, were placed on him. And then what did the Father do? He despised his Son for us. And Jesus was 100% sin-free. This is what our Savior did for us. He endured it. Why? Why did he endure it? For the joy that was set before him. For the joy of knowing what his blood would pay the price for. For the joy of knowing that it would cover the sins of every person who would ever believe. Brothers and sisters, your greatest problem has been done away with. And so therefore, whatever comes our way in 2024, we can endure for the joy that is set before us. Because you know what Jesus is doing right now? He's interceding for us, pleading before the throne of grace. He is preparing for us an eternal home where there will be no more suffering, no more tears, no more joint pain, no more getting overweight because of Christmas trees. He is paying it all. He is preparing for you. And so, brothers and sisters, run the race with endurance. Consider the encouragement around you. Faithful believers have endured far worse, and yet God was faithful to them. Do away with the sin that hinders you. 
get serious, get radical with whatever is tripping you up. Prepare for a challenging race. Don't be surprised when life gets hard this year. Don't be shocked when difficulties come your way. And most importantly, above all, look to Jesus, the one who suffered for our sake. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the good news of Jesus who made a way for us when there was no way. At the right time, Christ died for us. Lord, we don't know what comes our way in 2024, but we know who holds it. We know who holds the future. And life is worth the living because Jesus is alive. And so, God, keep our focus on you. Keep our gaze on you. Keep our attention to you. And, Lord, we, we praise you for your mercies and your grace. So, God, prepare us to endure and run the race well for you and for your glory. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let me invite you to stand now as we sing in response.